welcome to episode seven of Anatomy of Tone. In this episode, we're going to discuss registers of instruments and what we need to consider when we're playing with other musicians or we're working on a production to make sure that things aren't getting clustered or to really be able to solve the problem of sometimes why you might not be able to hear a part even though it's there. Sometimes you're turning up the volume of something and it's still not cutting the way that you would expect it to. And sometimes the issue is um, is not with volume. It's simply just too many instruments playing in the same register. So I'm going to talk about that and give some examples. I'm also going to dig into the Soundstone Sustainer, which is a more affordable Ebo style effect. And I went down the rabbit hole with this because as I was doing some experiments, I paired the Soundstone with the Death by Adu Evil filter, and this just led me into a whole area where I ended up wanting to talk about the Evil filter as well because it seemed to be such a big part of my creation process for the Soundstone examples. And so I got into some run-throughs and um, discussions of the different ways that you could use the Evil filter as well. If you're digging this podcast, please subscribe and share with friends. Let's jump in. One thing I've noticed from conversations with some up-and-coming producers and composers, arrangers, is the lack of awareness of registers of instruments. People will play piano, play guitar, uh, bass, a lot of the uh, common instruments for a lot of rock bands. They don't really think of the crossover between the notes that they're playing, meaning they don't know where pitch C4 is on piano versus where it is on guitar versus where it is on bass. The reason it's important to know this is when you're voicing out chords and you're making an arrangement, if you have too many instruments playing, say, counterpoint parts, if they're, they're, they're subtly different parts from one another, all in the same register, it tends to get really cluttered. And people that do a lot of orchestration spend a lot of time learning the ranges of each instrument. They want to know the range of the bassoon versus the oboe versus the piccolo flute versus the cello, right? So we spend a lot of time understanding that. So as we're orchestrating things, we're making decisions about what parts can double in the same range, as well as making sure that we're carving out room for each part to be audible and not get cluttered. So for instance, if you think of middle C on a piano and you could find that part on guitar too, if you're playing a melodic line at middle C on the piano, and then you're playing a different melodic line at guitar on middle C on guitar, then obviously they're in the same octave, they're in the same range, they could start fighting each other. Point is to know about this so if it isn't right for the song, you can troubleshoot it. So if you took the guitar part, saying that we had the two contrasting lines, right? One on piano, one on guitar. And if you move the guitar line up an octave, now they're separated by an octave. And even though they're dancing around the same note, now there's distance between them. So they're not going to clash with each other as much. So we effectively created some space between the two notes. Anytime I'm voicing out chords on a guitar and piano, I'm thinking about this a lot. I do it on gigs a lot when there's two guitar players too. Whenever I'm on stage with guitar players, I always hope I could hear them. And if I I can't hear them really well. I'm watching their hands. So if they're playing chords that are down around the first couple of frets, first position, I'm going to play up higher. I'm going to do higher voicing so that we're not playing 
contrasting parts in the same register. This is different from doubling, meaning there are times when you want maybe say two guitars playing the same part to double up and thicken the sound, or you might want a guitar and a piano to play the same part to thicken up a sound. That's a little different. I'm talking more about when you have parts that are weaving in between each other, and I use the term uh, uh, contrapunctal uh, counterpoint right there. So they, they each line has a bit of independence to them. In that case, you're going to want to think about register a lot and where the crossover is on those notes. So I would encourage you, the bass, to learn uh, where the lowest note is and the highest note. And this is where knowing the piano is really helpful. The piano is a great instrument to just sit at and be able to look at ranges. For guitar, the most common area where it gets used for guitar parts and voicing chords is E3 up until E5, or it, it could go a little higher than that, but I basically think about it from the low E string up to the high E string at fret 12. So that's like our working area. I'm not saying we're not going to go higher than that, but that's the area where somebody would say it. Those are the, the notes you get paid for, right? So in that region, I want to know where that is on piano. So I could look at the piano keyboard, and if I'm playing piano voicings, maybe I don't want to have them in the same range. If I'm if I'm playing open position E chords, which are down around E3, uh, I'm gonna want to voice the the piano chords. Maybe I want them an octave higher, right? Just uh, or use an inversion that at least uh, picks up where the highest note of the guitar and the chord leaves off. So it, it, being aware of things like this can really open up your mix and, and keep it from being cluttered. Because what happens sometimes you you end up in the mix process and your music just sounds cluttered and you can't put your finger on it because everybody's playing the right chord. Oh, it's an E minor chord. Everybody's playing the same chord. It's E minor. And you're wondering, why doesn't this sound great? It, it should sound perfectly fine. Uh, and sometimes it just has to do with, uh, with maybe too many instruments being in the same range playing contrasting parts. So uh, take some time. And, and if you're a rock musician, learn the range to each of the instruments that we're using in rock settings, which mostly is keyboards, bass, electric guitar, and vocals, right? It's good to know vocals because that's another thing that can happen is you could end up obscuring the vocals if you have too much accompaniment happening in the same range that the vocal lives. So ideally, you want to carve out some room for the vocal. But again, it's material dependent and all rules are meant to be broken. But we want to be able to troubleshoot when we're hearing a problem. So try this. Try recording a, a, a part, uh, let's say part one on piano in a register. Now create a secondary guitar part in the same register on the guitar. Play them against each other. Now... As to compare it, let's record one of those parts over and change the octave that it's in, the voicing that it's in. Let's compare the differences of those and hear what kind of change it makes to the openness or the density or the how the uh, frequencies might be competing against each other. Let's listen to the difference changing the register can make. So for this example, I played my Martin HD 28. It's kind of a bluesy rock rhythm in the first position, pretty much in open chords. And then I layered in a rhythm part playing a Kumar uh, B3 Hammond organ. 
and then I soloed, and there's two solos. The first solo we're gonna hear is the guitar soloing in the same range that the organ and rhythm guitar are playing. So the organ and rhythm guitar are in the same range than the lead guitar is. It's not that it sounds bad, but you're gonna notice it just kinda sounds cloudy and doesn't sound super clear. And the second example we're gonna listen to is going to be moving the guitar up an octave so it separates from the organ and rhythm guitar, which happen to be in the same octave. Let's just listen to the difference of it now. There's times you may want to keep things in the same register, but there's going to be other times you understand why things are getting masked or they sound cloudy and it is a register thing. So let's just become aware of it and then you can use at will. Let's listen. <laughs> So one thing you should have noticed is that the second solo cut a lot more and this is something I have to pay attention to on stage sometimes. If I'm playing low and my notes are getting lost, sometimes it's not just a volume thing, it's a register thing because there's so much going on in a certain frequency range. If I want to be heard better, I have to move to a different register of the guitar neck or the keyboard or you know, the bass neck to be heard uh, so that it cuts through more. So this is something to be conscious of in situations where your parts aren't cutting the way that you hoped they were. Ebo was released in 1976 and since has been used on countless recordings. And it's on songs like Don't Fear the Reaper, it's on songs from U2, Susie and the Banshees, uh, The Church um, Under the Milky Way, John Cage has used it. It's been used in a variety of different applications and sometimes even songs that you don't even realize it's there and it's there for textures. I really like using the Ebo. In particular, my favorite way of using it is for experimental music and noisecapes. Now, it can and was intended to emulate the sound of a bowed string and sometimes even flute-like sounds depending on how you have your tone knob adjusted on your guitar and which pickup you're using. Uh, but along with that, you can also create some pretty uh, beautiful, ugly sounds, if you will, which are exciting, especially when you start running them through effects. Now, the Ebo itself is $100. It's a handheld device. And for years, there really hasn't been any competition on the market and say like a product that uh, is more accessible to people that can't quite afford $100 or worried about losing the Ebo. They're small and dark and easy to lose. Uh, until now, there's a company in Austin called Soundstone. They make the Soundstone Sustainer, which is a simplified Ebo 
that is made from the same material that helmets or football helmets are made from. It's durable and small. Uh, it's a little more square-like instead of the almost horseshoe-like shape of the Ebo. So it fits in your hand pretty nicely, actually. The only difference I would say is a notable difference is the fact that it doesn't have a switch on it that um, essentially uh, jumps the harmonics. So uh, the newer Ebos, not the original, but the newer Ebos have a switch on it so that it'll focus more on the upper harmonics and the Soundstone doesn't have that. So it's uh, pretty much has all the features minus that at $50 compared to $100, which is a lot more of a friendly price for those that might have never had experience with the Ebo style effect and want to see what that's like. Some of the characteristics of using the Soundstone Sustainer are it's a monophonic-like device, meaning you can't play full chords with it. So if we think about three strings on the guitar, the Soundstone Sustainer is going to sit on the two outer strings and let the third, the inner string, vibrate. It's going to create a magnetic field, which is going to cause that string to vibrate. So there's no way to be able to resonate more than one string at a time with it. So in some ways, it's like turning your guitar into a mono synth. The Soundstone Sustainer also changes its timbre, I would say, by how close you move it to the pickup. So the closer you get, the more aggressive and bright the sound is going to be, and the more you pull it away, it's going to be softer and a little more uh, delicate. On my guitar, sometimes when I've been doing sessions and need to be really careful about managing the dynamics, I've used uh, console tape or masking tape, put it on my pick guard, and I've actually marked out the locations, which I would consider to be triple forte, double forte, forte, piano, double pianissimo, triple pianissimo, just so I know that uh, where I can move the EPO and emulate the various dynamics that say I would give in notation for an orchestra. Uh, uh, there are a couple of ways you can activate the sound using the Soundstone Sustainer. So one is to place it on the strings and move it in very slowly from uh, furthest out, like further than the triple P marking the dynamics. So it's just very slowly bringing the dynamics. The other way is to place the soundstone closer to the pickup, not on top of it, but closer, and then use your fretting hand to just like think about like hammer on a note so that it just very ever so lightly activates the vibration of the string and then the ebo will catch that so that'll result in a bit of a faster attack and you can also place the soundstone sustainer right on top of the pickup and just press it in so it'll it'll um, start vibrating the string very quickly and, and more aggressively so you may change your attack depending on what you're doing now some things i like to do when i'm doing Doing experimental uh, noise scapes and just weird sounds is I really like pushing the Ebo into the strings right above the pickup and in different places. Sometimes you'll get these weird harmonics or squeals and uh, and just running it really fast across the active pickup that you have selected on your guitar will also yield like cool tremolo-like effects. And so there are some ways that you can be aggressive and unconventional with the Soundstone that can be really cool. I'm going to focus on some of those aspects in my examples, only because I feel like a lot has been done 
in mimicking the sounds of a violin or flute or cello uh, or oboe. But I feel like not as much has been done in the experimental uses of this. So I used a Stratocaster into a headstrong little King Reverb. I have FSC 59 hand bump pickups in the Stratocaster. So for the first couple examples, I just used the Soundstone into the amp, into um, a, a CXM 1978 from Chase Bliss, which is basically a Lexicon 224 reverb, just to, to uh, extend the sound and put it in a bigger space. Let's listen to the first example. Before we get too weird, I'm going to play something in two-part counterpoint using the Soundstone Sustainer. This next example has a flute-like quality to it. start to get a little more experimental. In this next example, I decided to use a looper with the Soundstone Sustainer, and I looped this same note over and over again, imagining that I had like 15 or 20 violins, and they were all bending the notes at different times. So this is a technique that one of my favorite composers, Penderecki, did uh, in a piece called Thrandy for the Victims of Hiroshima, which is a really amazing atonal piece. It's been used in countless films, including The Exorcist, The Shining, and even more recently, Black Mirror. So the idea is because all the pitches are moving at different rates, you hear them all fighting each other a little bit and creating an uneasy, unresolved sound. So instead of uh, having to record something 15, 20 times in a DAW, I just used the looper to do this with the Ebo to get a little essence of this horror-like vibe.
The next collection of examples using the Soundstone are going to be also using the Evil Filter pedal by Death by Audio. So I actually want to take a little time and talk about this pedal because this is one of my favorite pedals I've ever used. It's an extraordinary pedal. Uh, Death by Audio is a really interesting company based in New York City. They make really creative pedals, unusual sounds. They aren't the average pedal that you're used to hearing that I would say is a traditional fuzz. Death by audio pedals mess up your signal, and that's what they're designed to do. So the evil filter I'm using, at least for the first couple of examples, I'm using in low pass mode uh, with an expression pedal. Well, let me talk about what the evil filter is first. So it has two effects on it. One is their death by audio fuzz war, fuzz, which is, such a cool fuzz. It's such a huge sounding fuzz without getting flabby and lost. Like I don't know exactly what they did, but it, uh, it it's manages to stay really present in your sound where I feel like some fuzzes will disappear in the mix. Like when you're playing live, especially it just also tends to react in really interesting ways. It has a switch on it for wave shapes shapes that we can choose from and then there's a fuzz output knob so the fuzz section is really super simple on this don't let that lead you to believe that this is a limited sounding fuzz though because it's not and it can sound really massive and cool so the filter section on this allows you to do a lot of things you could you can do treat it as like a low pass filter i like to think of synthesizers with the different filters on them so a lot of times when people play synth parts they're actually uh, sometimes playing around with the filter and um and changing where the high pass or the low pass is set in the signal in real time with their hand and sometimes they're opening it up and closing it very slowly to give movement to maybe a pad that's being played or even an arpeggiation part so this is like having a filter that would be on a synth but in a pedal form so a little different than a wah-wah although a wah-wah is a type of filter this doesn't sound as i think um mid-range flavored i mean you can set it up so it does that because it does have a filter resonance knob on it uh, but it doesn't just do that you can really just set it up so that it just cuts off the high end which i'm gonna do in this first example using the evil filter along with the soundstone so the expression pedal is set up and I set the filter knob so and the um, the uh, low pass so that when I rolled back the expression pedal, it would just choke all the high end. So instead of using, I don't know, um, a volume pedal to bring notes in and out, using the filter uh, is kind of a more interesting way because after a certain point, you won't hear much from the guitar because the the low pass filter will be cutting everything uh the whole range that the guitar is in right so it'll be silent but what happens is as the note is fading out you actually hear the high end disappear as opposed to when you're using a volume pedal and you're rolling it back and everything stays intact it just gets quieter so the tone of the note gets rounded off as you pull the expression pedal back or push it forward so let's listen to this first example uh, and this is again this is a, a bit of a, an experimental example for 
sound design, more for like horror film or atonal music. There was just a really cool interaction happening between the soundstone sustainer, the evil filter with the fuzz engaged and the filter engaged using the expression pedal. Somehow they were all working together to create this really creepy, unsettling sound that was almost being destroyed. Uh, it has to do also the way that I was feeding the soundstone sustainer into the guitar pickup and where I was playing it, but it was also the whole signal chain. Also not to mention the way that that was being sent into the CXM 1978 reverb. All those elements combined together just created this sound world that um, probably was a, a bit unsettling. I like to use the sound zone sustainer to create tremolo-like ostinato effects as well. So uh, what I did was I was just using the sound zone sustainer on the guitar, but I would run it past the pickups and uh, before it, after it, before it, after it really fast over the pickup. So it created this tremolo-like effect. And this is cool to create an ostinato, which is basically just like a repetitious part that can happen over and over again. You can layer some other parts on top of it, but it's not like a, a normal ostinato sound that you would get from a synthesizer or anything else. So it's, um, it creates a bit of a, is it a synth? Is it a guitar? Uh, it's a little uh, otherworldly. <laughs> sounds are great for sci-fi and horror, which are some of my favorite genres to write for. You can also create some, I guess I would call them whale-like sounds. It's not entirely like a whale, but there's moments of this example that just reminds me of whales. Let's listen.
I was also using the Analog Man ARDX20 on that for some analog delay and was still using the Evil filter with the expression pedal. And I think that's a really good example where you can hear the notes and the tone tailing off. So it gets a little softer sounding when I pull the pedal back and a little brighter when I lean it forward. You could do some really cool things with the slide and the soundstone as well. I think sometimes you get some unpredictable harmonics out of it. So it's a little bit of a surprise sometimes what exactly happens, which it can be really fun because you have these moments where it's just reacting in a way that you didn't know. And if you just go with it, some pretty cool things happen. In this example, same signal chain, evil filter with the, the, the fuzz and the filter engaged. And a glass slide. I find that glass just... I think for my taste, I hear a little bit more of the wine that comes out of it. Uh, W-H-I-N-E, not W-I-N-E, which if it's a glass bottle slide, I suppose you could put wine in it. But I mean, there's this particular wine that I think happens with the old medicine bottles that I tend to prefer for slide or the tops of old wine bottles uh, that I prefer to metal. Now, it doesn't mean that metal's bad, but I just find that there's a little, something more magical that happens in the high end with glass slides. And I think that comes out with the soundstone, which you'll hear now. <laughs> Sounds like some menacing aliens, right? Some of you might be like, well, how would you use any of these sounds? Well, you use them in sci-fi and scoring and horror films, but you also would be surprised in a lot of like songwriter sessions and stuff where there's a bridge where you need some weird sounds that sit underneath something that's completely tonal. You know, it can it can be just a bridge and, and you need something that's buried underneath. It could even be in a lot of reverb that you're not even hearing the exact parts, but it's just adding a certain level of tension. So having some of these... I don't know, flavor combinations for creating weird sounds can actually add a lot to even a song that you wouldn't consider might not have anything to do with the examples that I'm playing right now, but in context, they could actually work in tonal situations. The last example using the Soundstone Sustainer, I flipped the modes on the Evil filter. I decided to set it up for high pass, so meaning when I pushed the expression pedal forward, uh, it cuts off all the low end. And what I was able to do with this was to create or give the illusion that there were two parts playing. So when I hit a note, you hear some of the low end in the, in the attack. And then I pulled there, I should say, I pushed the expression pedal forward. So all of a sudden the low end got cut off from the signal. So it gave the illusion that that initial low end part was staccato but yet you heard this high buzzing part in the background sustaining, which was the soundstone sustainer. And it almost sounds like two parts and it feels like there's a conversation happening between the two pieces just from hooking up an expression pedal with the high pass filter. <laughs>
because you don't always know what's going to happen using the soundstone sustainer and effects like the evil filter, I always have the record button going. So if uh, a magical moment happens, then it's captured because you could always then cut it out and move it in the piece or you can sample it. Sometimes I use a machina from native instruments to sample parts and then play them and layer them on top of each other, almost like tape loops. But you could also just use Pro Tools or I use Universal Audio's Luna and you can cut and move them around. The point is have it rolling because you just don't know what's going to happen. Let's check out just a few examples of the evil filter now. This one I was playing kind of like a, a, a repetitive part, almost like another ostinato based in B minor that I was using the low pass filter on to create a slow moving opening and closing filter. <laughs> What's cool is the evil filter with using the expression pedal is almost adding another layer of sound. It's almost like another part. It seems like it's changing the pitch because, or the part, because as you're taking away treble, you're hearing less of, I'd say, the top melody line. And as it opens, you're, you're being exposed to more of that line. So I'm playing the same thing pretty much most of the time. But what's changing your perception of the part is the fact the filter is opening and closing. You hear this a lot in uh, modern uh, dance music and stuff where they're, they use a filter to slowly open, open, open up to even the whole song you hear open up. So it's a very similar effect. And this is essentially like what I do with the Prophet 10 and, uh, you know, the ARP 2600 and stuff all the time. This example is going to have moving power chord, sort of a punk vibe to it. Still with a, quite a bit of reverb on it, but I'm going to open and close the filter again, just so you can hear how it's working in a different context. <laughs> on the settings on the fuzz side of the evil filter, you can get like these swell note sounds, which is really interesting. Check this out. How 
about a riff that just sounds destroyed? It's meant to be a pedal that's played with. You can set it and forget it, and that's cool. But it's really, I think, meant to be put next to the instrument that you're playing, so you could reach over and, and grab and and um, and create some in the moment uh, surprises. Let's pair some synths with the Death by Audio Evil filter. I'm going to use a an old realistic keyboard from the '80s. It's like a copy of a Casio keyboard, and often these keyboards didn't have any filters on them. So if you want to get synth-like filter effects, you're going to have to use your own filter. So I'm using the Evil filter in a very traditional filter-esque kind of way. Let's listen briefly to a part without the filter and then we're going to hear the filter come in and I'm going to manually ride the filter knob. This is the same realistic keyboard, but with a horn sound, and I'm gonna use the filter again just to add a little more excitement into the sound. Let's hear the, the example first without any evil filter on it, and then with evil filter. the Demeter reverberator spring reverb on that. And one of the ways I was using the uh, filter knob on there was to cut out some of the pulsing bass. So the bass was just pulsing dun, 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 through the whole thing. And I would uh, use the um, high pass filter setting on there to basically cut out the bass. So it created a diff different rhythmic part for the left hand uh, eighth note bass pattern that was being played. These old realistic and Casio keyboards have these drum grooves uh, patterns in them. So from a lot of different genres, but none of them are, are perfect. And that's kind of what's charming about them. So I decided to use it, which it's kind of noisy. And I left the noise in instead of trying to get rid of it because uh, there is a charm to the noise and some people do like that sound. So I left the noise in and we're going to hear the basic uh, Casio or realistic pattern. And then I'm going to run it through the evil filter and then we're gonna use the evil filter and the evil fuzz, so the fuzz side as well. And you can really hear how it changes the groove and the sound and almost brings out different rhythmic elements of the groove.
of course, you could find a stationary position that you like and just park it there. I'm just moving around because sometimes I do like getting some movement and riding the filter, but uh, also it sounds equally cool if you find a cool filtered spot and just park it. I was also running that drum loop through an Analog Man ARDX20 analog delay pedal after the fact, and occasionally I was riding the repeats knob, so it kind of built up some, some feedback loop happening there. Let's check out a second drum loop. Mellotron is another instrument that doesn't have a filter on it and does have a tone knob, but the tone knob is much more gentle and gives you less control than that of what a filter would. I decided to run the Mellotron M4000D with the classic three violin sound through the evil filter. Also, I'm using a Demeter reverberator reverb. There are expansion cards that you can get for the Mellotron M4000D. And on those cards, including some really cool other Mellotron samples, also exists Optagon samples. And on the Optagon, there used to be a bunch of rhythmic grooves that loop over and over again. So this is one of those Optagon loops and grooves that I played at half speed, because there's also a half speed knob on the Mellotron. And I actually love turning this half speed on. going to add lots of Demeter Reverbulator Reverb, as well as use the Evil Filter in the low pass mode.
It's just so quirky and weird. I love these sounds that you can get using the Mellotron. Also just adding effects onto them, such as the evil filter. Death by Audio just makes such creative pedals. We hope everybody enjoyed episode seven of Anatomy of Tone. If anybody wants to reach out about any consultations or lessons or has any comments about the show, you could reach me at anatomyofguitartone at gmail.com or anatomyofguitartone.com. I'm going to leave you this week with a song from Abby Ahmed from her newest record called Tea with Shadows. This song is called Somewhere in Between. This is one of my favorite songs from the record, although it is hard to pick one. I'll probably go through these in the future and talk about some of the production choices that were made during the making of this record. In this song, it's a very dreamy-like bridge that we almost made a lot of references to a dream of like the Wizard of Oz. And you'll hear some Mellotron harp and strings and drum with brushes and uh, a bass with flat wound strings and muted uh, using foam under the bridge. And just, of course, Abby's eloquent songwriting and singing and guitar playing. She plays guitar on the whole record and co-produced it. So let's check this out. Somewhere in between. Underneath the breath, it's better